The following audio content is a talk given at The Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at www.upc.org forward slash university. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 47th and 16th in Seattle's U District. Well, hey, I have the great privilege tonight and the honor, really, to introduce you um, to our speaker for this evening. I say it's an honor because it has been an absolute honor to have her be a part of my life this year. It's been one of the highlights of my year is getting to know Becca Cease, our intern. Yes. Um, Hailing from Ferndale, went to SPU and decided to stick around Seattle um, and be with us one more year. Um, and to introduce her, I thought it could be a little fun to create um, an acronym. One of the nicknames that she has um, inherited this year as an intern has been Bex. So you often hear, hey, Bex, what's up? It's always Bex, because there's always a nickname, um, probably around university ministries. Um, so I thought I'd come up with a way to describe her for each letter of her nickname. All right? So, S. We're going to do this backwards, actually. Um, I'm going to end with B. I know it's a little non-traditional, but... Um, so S, S is for super, super descriptive, right? Um, but Becca is one that has a super attitude and sees life, um, through super amazing eyes. She tends to find positive things in everything. Um, you are able to find the like little ridiculous things in life and she will laugh with you. Um, if you have spent any time with Becca, you will have laughed and you will have experienced joy because she is an absolutely positive person. Um, the next one, if we keep going, C, C for Becca is courageous. Becca may be small and look really sweet, but this girl has guts. Um, I see her, this is exactly what would be my interpret or impression of her is that she's asked to do something like what she's done in the past, previously, um, before she became an intern, she was working with Young Life with inner city kids. And she's just kind of like, yeah, okay, yeah, I got it. Okay, I'll do that, sure. Help lead the Compton trip, sure, okay, yeah, I got it. That is constantly her attitude, is just this can-do attitude, that there is great courage um, in this person, and I am blessed by that. It challenges and inspires me. Um, and finally, to keep going, encouraging one of the um, brilliant, brilliant gifts of um, Becca is that she is one who will encourage you um, to death. I often have the opportunity to meet with her every week. I get to meet with Becca, and I'm the one that's, you know, supposed to be the you know, one that's the supervisor encouraging her. But I think I walk away more encouraged after we meet um, than she does because she is the one who just speaks words of affirmation genuinely. And I think that's what makes um, it so unique to her is that she's just so genuine um, in her encouragement. Um, And finally, B, last but not least, is that she is just a beautiful person. Um, She has a beautiful, beautiful heart for the Lord that seeks him with integrity and honesty. Um, And she has a beautiful story, and that's her life. And tonight, we get the great privilege of getting to hear her story from her mouth, and I am so thrilled um, for all of us. So will you do what Becca does for us so often and make her feel like a million bucks by giving her an incredible welcome after Coming out here tonight. I'm glad to see you all. Um, actually.
actually the other day I was at a park and it was a really nice day outside and I saw all these bunch of little kids and they were playing football together. And I was like, that's so cute, so precious. But it kind of made me think back when I was a kid and the games that I used to play with my brother and sister outside. And I don't know if any of you have ever played this game, but have you ever heard of the game Smear the Queer? Now thinking about it now, I can't believe we actually played this game and called it that because it kind of seems inappropriate. But the, the point of the game, for those of you who have never had the delights of playing, is one person has a ball, and they're kind of dubbed the queer. And everyone just ransacks and tackles them, and the only point is to try to get the ball. And then if you get the ball, then you're the queer. And then everyone dogpiles on you and tackles and wrestles you. And honestly, there's no end to this game. It keeps going on and on and on. You don't keep score. It's just an all-for-nothing, free-fall wrestling match. And yeah, it's a good time. So if you've never played it before, go for it. <laughs> um, and wrestling is just a really interesting thing to me. Whether you're physically wrestling with someone in a match with Smear the Queer, or you're wrestling kind of mentally with an issue at hand, like what you're going to do with your life and your future. You go through this weird process and period of time of conflict that often involves a lot of struggle. So tonight we're going to look at strength and weakness and how it plays out um, in our wrestling matches with ourselves and even sometimes with God. Um, in life, I feel like we often have this desire to achieve, to be something great. But when God created humankind, he didn't say, and you will be great. But he said, it is good. From the beginning of creation, we were declared good. And my challenge tonight, that instead of striving so hard to become and be great, to be this, someone, this person of immense success, my heart is that we see our creational goodness and truly live into who we were created to be. Since we are created by a God who is great, we are products of his greatness. We are good. And throughout my life, especially these past two years, I have struggled to live into these promises. Many days I find myself not satisfied with who I am. I want to become this person of greatness, this person full of success that somebody, and maybe even myself, can be proud of, possibly even being someone worth knowing. This ideal person I have in mind is someone of strength, independence, and productivity. I want to forsake all my weaknesses and failures and finally just have it all figured out. Honestly, I just want to be strong. So tonight I'm going to tell you two stories, one of a man named Jacob and one that tells the struggle and brokenness that I've experienced these past two years. Both Jacob and I find ourselves wrestling with God and kind of struggling with wanting to be strong. So we're going to start out tonight with Jacob's story. And then we find ourselves looking at Genesis chapter 32. I'm going to set the story up a little bit. Um, in this book of Genesis, Jacob is kind of in conflict with his older brother Esau. Now in these Hebrew Bible times, the older brother inherited everything once the father passed away. And Jacob really was envious that Esau was going to get everything. Um, so he found this kind of sneaky way to trick his dad into giving him the blessing and kind of giving him all the inheritance. And this honestly just pissed Esau off. And he got so mad that he actually was going to kill Jacob. So Jacob decided to run away and kind of let Esau simmer down a little bit. So years and years went by. Jacob got married, had a bunch of kids, and decided he wanted to move back to his hometown. Um, and this is where we find ourselves in Genesis chapter 32 on Jacob's journey back. So that night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all its possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, 
he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched, and he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob answered, Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with human beings and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. So reading this, I feel like a few things kind of like struck me and stood out that I thought was really interesting, kind of noteworthy. So I thought I'd share them with you tonight. Um, the first thing is God actually lets Jacob wrestle with him. He lets Jacob struggle and try to use his own strength. But in the end of the day, we see that Jacob's strength is no match for God. God is mightier, God is stronger, and God is actually always in control in this whole situation. Um, the second thing is God actually gives Jacob a blessing. Um, his own blessing. Jacob didn't need to steal Esau's blessing because God created him with his very own. Um, and the last thing is God blesses Jacob by giving him a new name. And this name is Israel, which really isn't a random name, but it's a name full of promise and identity. And it's not really a new identity for Jacob, but it's really a reminder of who he really is. This name Israel represents this greater family that God um, made a promise and a covenant with. So, through wrestling with God, Jacob is able to come face to face with God and find this hope and promise in God's strength. He's able to take his rightful place as a child of God and be a chosen member of the covenant. Now, these past years, I feel like I honestly personally have wrestled a lot with God. I've seen this through my relationships within my family and even myself. During this time, I desire to rid myself of any weaknesses and become self-reliant and strong. God let me try to fix my own find my own strength. But the irony is, this pursuit brought me to a place of utter weakness and brokenness. Um, so I'm just going to tell you a little about my life. I was born and I was raised most of my life in Ferndale, Washington, home of Jake Locker, for any of you football fans. Um, I went to high school with him. I didn't really know him too well, but his father did dry well in my bedroom, so kind of my little claim to fame. Um, grew up, pretty normal childhood. I was awkward in middle school, had braces, went to high school, um, went to college at SPU. Um, college experience was pretty regular. Freshman year kind of was, felt lonely, not sure where I was in this world. But by sophomore, junior year, um, I really just felt at home here in Seattle. But then it kind of came to my senior year. And I kind of realized one more year left of college, I'm going to be an adult next year. Like, am I ready to be an adult? Do I kind of have my life together? And I realized I felt like I really didn't. Um, so I decided, okay, I've got one year left. I can just make this the best year yet ever. Step it up in life. Um, yeah, just, I'm going to do it as good as I possibly can. So I reprioritized everything because I wanted to have this great year of success. So I started with school. I decided I am going to be that great student. I'm going to be that student who sits in the front row, who's so engaged with my professor saying, I'm not going to even look at the clock at all during class. I'm going to do all my required reading. In that little section at the end of the syllabus where they're like, and if you want to do some additional reading, you can read these books. I was even going to read those books. Super excited. My second goal was that I was going to become more organized. I was going to keep my room and my car clean. And if you've ever seen my desk at the trailer, you will know that organization is not a God-given gift. Um, I decided I was going to work more because I always was stressed out about money in school and just feeling like 
my school is really expensive and I just needed to work more to justify for going to an expensive school. And then on top of this all, I was like, I'm going to take care of my body too. I'm going to eat a little healthier. I love to run. I'm going to do that a couple times a week. Just really just take care of myself and be this great, well-rounded person. And a, lot of, a little bit of what motivated me to kind of um, step it up this year is I kind of wanted to ultimately like make my parents proud. I had this older sister who's so awesome, and she worked really hard and um, did really well in school and just was really driven. And my parents believed in her and expected great things out of her. And I know my parents loved me, but honestly, I questioned at times whether they thought I could do great things like her. I really wasn't sure if they had the same confidence or belief in me. And ultimately, too, I just really wanted to be this great, well-rounded person. And looking back, I see now that I think I essentially wanted to be perfect. To have these idolized expectations of myself that I believe that I really needed to achieve. And I masked this strive for perfection as, oh, I'm just being goal-oriented. I just want to be responsible. And that's kind of what people around me saw. And I'm not saying that it's bad to have goals, but in retrospect, the root of my goals were not trying to refine or live into who I really was. But instead, I was trying to change myself into this different person, this ideal person who I thought was better than me. I was tired of being Becca. She was weak, and she was not good enough. I wanted to be strong, a Becca who was worth something. So honestly, my pursuit of perfection and success started out really well. Um, school was going great. My A-minuses that I used to get turned into solid A's. I would do my work ahead of time. Um, yeah, I did all my reading. I was just feeling like a pretty good person as far as school was going. Work was going great. I picked up a few extra hours. I was making more money. I saw my bank account increase. Um, would write the tuition check each quarter and felt like I could pay it off. Um, I kept up with my running, eating healthy. I felt like I had a lot more energy to do the things that I wanted to do. Even my Bible reading, I was super consistent. and I was journaling all the time. Kind of like realized, I think I might have it all figured out now. Like This might be the ultimate life that I've been trying to lead all my life. I might be a real adult. Um, but about a month after this kind of phase of life, I got in this really bad car accident. I was driving on the freeway, and I, I don't know, slipped on some water, and my car hit a guardrail. Um, and I'm really, really short, and I sit abnormally close to the steering wheel. And even now, I sit on, like, a pillow so I can see above the steering wheel. Um, so when I hit the guardrail, unfortunately, I was, like, a centimeter away from the wheel. And so I smashed my face, I broke my nose, and had a lot of other, like, major facial trauma. Um, so I was out of school for quite a while. Um, and physically, I ended up healing pretty well, um, but emotionally, this, this accident definitely left a toll on me. I felt really, really guilty because I totaled my parents' car. Um, and I also had to take incompletes in all of my classes that quarter, which just obviously just put me very, very behind in school. Um, so needless to say, my perfect senior year was just not going quite as planned. But I was Becca, and I was this new, strong Becca. I could easily bounce back. So obviously, to fix this, I just needed to do more, and I just needed to try harder. So I decided I would do that. So I'd take 22 credits the next quarter, plus finished all my work from the quarter before, which was about 10 papers I needed to write. Um, kept up with my volunteering and my Young Life commitments. Um, but I also decided I probably should work more, too, because I did just wreck a car. So I needed to kind of balance that out. So I took up this really weird new job where I started classes to learn how to drive um, commercial buses. Really random, but it was actually a really cool experience. But um, this 
needless to say, made me very overscheduled, overplanned. Honestly, every minute of my day from like 6 a.m. to 2 a.m. was completely booked. Um, but I thought I could do this. I would just eat healthier, exercise a little more, give me energy what I need to do, might sleep a little less, but I could power through. I'm pretty resilient. I'll be fine. I'll just sleep when spring break comes. But honestly, as much as I told myself this, I was not fine. School started to only go okay, and my solid A's flipped to A minuses, and I obviously struggled to keep up with 22 credits of work. Um, and I couldn't sleep at night because I was so stressed out about my bus driving because we had this big commercial driver's license test in about a month, and the, one of the things you had to do was learn to parallel park this 46-foot motor coach. And my trainer would set up all these cones, and we'd be like, okay, now pretend like each cone's a mom and a baby. And after class, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I just killed four babies. And I would just freak out about it. And I was just so concerned that I might fail my test. And all this work I had put into would just all go to waste. And to add to all this chaos, my relationships at home with my parents kind of went through some tension, too. Um, looking back on it, I had a few insecurities about my relationship with my dad. And um, really what it all boiled down to is, at the end of the day, I just was scared that my dad didn't really know me. And maybe even worse, that I just didn't really know him. And it's like me and my mom struggled a little bit, too, just trying to figure out what like, an adult relationship looks like between a parent and a child. I don't know if any of you experienced that. I wanted to be independent. I wanted to be on my own. Um, but I honestly still needed a mom many times. Um, so if you're still tracking with me here, this is kind of when things get a little bit funny. And unfortunately, not ha-ha funny, but just kind of weird. Um, school, work, volunteering, and bus driving are just out of control. And they're really taking over every minute of my life. I'm always feeling super behind and overcommitted. And I just feel like I can't be fully present in anything I do. Um, I constantly feel like I'm letting people down. And I start establishing a lot of guilt around this. Um, and plus, I find myself just, for some odd reason, just really anxious and unhappy around my parents and at home. And I just remember sitting there thinking, this is supposed to be my perfect senior year. Like, what's wrong with me? I really feel like a failure right now. But there was one thing in my life that kind of um, was going well, in a sense, or something at least I felt like I was succeeding in. This thing about being healthy and eating right and exercising, like, I was doing pretty good at that. Like, I could control that. Everything could go to crap. But this was one thing that I could manipulate and control. So I saw a lot of validation in it. And I began to fall into this trap of restricting myself from certain types of foods and sometimes from eating food in general. And I've reflected over this a lot this past year and trying to understand why I chose this, this form of food restriction to find this control and validation. And honestly, it doesn't all completely make sense to me. But a few things that I've kind of identified is just that strength and image have always been these kind of underlying values of my family. Um, growing up, my dad was a pastor, and I was a pastor's kid. And even my dad and I have talked a little bit about this, that there is this weird underlying expectation of pastors and their families to kind of, like, hold the certain image. Um, of course, we know we're not perfect, but um, we still are supposed to be this certain way. So I just grew up caring a lot about what people thought about me and constantly feeling like I wanted to please people and make them proud. Because I saw that I was a reflection of my family. And ultimately, I loved my family and wanted to represent them well. So back to my story. I found that I was really good at this kind of weird restrictive dieting thing. And it's really odd, but it gave me this feeling that I was being extreme and tough. And that I was a strong person. Um, but through this type of thinking and odd behavior, I began to lose um, some weight. 
And the weird thing about this is I really wasn't dissatisfied with my body. Like, I'm a really naturally small, active person. But every time I stepped on the scale and it showed that I weighed a pound less, I didn't feel like it was a bad thing. Um, our culture tells us it's good to be small, you should like it. So it started sending me messages that I was doing something right and I was achieving something. And something even that some people couldn't do. And like, as sick as this makes me say, like, it made me feel really strong and it gave me a lot of power. It made me feel successful, so I clung to it, even as it started to destroy my life and my body. And as twisted as it sounds, I really thought the way I was living life was healthy and the right way to live. I was trapped in this other world, believing the dark lies that it was feeding me. However, during this time, there were days where I would truly see where I was at. I was, um, I would look in the mirror, and instead of seeing the strong, resilient person that I thought I was, I would see the real me, this weak, frail, starving girl. And these times would scare me, and they'd scare me really bad. Because I no longer even recognized myself. My body had physically changed so much, and I honestly hated how I looked. But I couldn't let go of this thing that had given me so much comfort and so much control. It began to turn into who I was, and I feared letting go of it. Letting go of my eating disorder would be giving into my weakness, and I had worked way too hard to let myself be weak. And I felt like no one really could understand, and I felt really alone. So I kept on going the way I was going. I kept running, I kept restricting. And at this time, I actually, I really thought this lifestyle brought me happiness, that living other, any other way would make me miserable. Nevertheless, I got to the point where I was so undernourished that my body stopped feeling things. Um, I didn't feel hungry anymore. I, I didn't feel any happiness or joy. And I honestly didn't even feel pain. I was completely numb. I could laugh and smile, but these were just muscles moving in my face. And when I stopped feeling things, this is when like, I personally started becoming really concerned. And like, I knew my body and health was not in a good place. And I was ready to be done, and I wanted out. I was done being strong, because being strong had ultimately made me so weak. It turned me into this person who I didn't know who I was. My once playful spirit had turned to this rigid, military, kind of control freak. And I was so ashamed of the abuse I had done to my body. People around me were pouring so much love on me, but I truly felt so unlovable. I wanted to give up this horrid, compulsive behavior that was taking over my life, but honestly, I didn't know how to do it. I was so, so trapped in that dark world. My relationship with my parents had only gotten worse, and I was ashamed to go to God, because I knew what I was doing was so dishonoring. But I couldn't find a way out. Now, fortunately, I am blessed to have amazing people in my life. I have a great family and awesome friends. And my brother and sister law in particular have been a continued presence and a continued voice throughout this entire battle. Looking back, I, I feel like I saw God's presence in them with me this entire time. They encouraged me to start going to counseling along with nutrition therapy. Now, my family isn't one that typically asks for this kind of help, but by the grace of God, I decided I would at least give it a try because I was pretty desperate at this time. And I just remember the first time going to my counselor, I was just sitting there crying in her office and telling her, I just had no idea how I had gotten to this place. And though I left that day with tears streaming down my face, I remember feeling for the first time. And I, and I don't even know what I felt, but I hadn't felt anything in such a long time. And now thinking back, I realized I think I felt freedom. And that was the first time in probably like seven months I had tasted that. Because um, I finally found someone who understood the complexities that I was going through and how it was woven just into the greater issues of my family. I had an advocate, someone to journey through with me through this struggle. 
And as I began to let go of these lies that I thought brought strength, I truly began to see restoration. I began to see how I, too, had been wrestling with God, and like Jacob, was questioning who I was created to be. Like Jacob, I really wanted the blessings of my sister instead of the blessings that God had in store for me. I thought that I was not good enough and that I needed to take things in my own hands and become someone better. But the truth is, God created me uniquely for a reason. Trying to be this other perfect person really wasn't me. Brian Church told me something in the beginning of this year, and I think he might have even mentioned it last week, but it's something that I just can't get out of my head. This idea that God calls us to faithfulness, not success. Because success is something to be achieved, whereas faithfulness is something to be a part of, to participate in. Success is a measurement, and faithfulness is a commitment. When my eyes are focused on success, I often find myself feeling like a failure, that I'm not this person that I need to be, that I'm just honestly not measuring up. But when I reshift my focus to faithfulness, it becomes less about if I'm good enough, but if I'm living into the commitment of who I really am. Even to this day, I don't totally understand why I developed an eating disorder and what drove me to this intense compulsion. I've never experienced such darkness, and I have never experienced such pain wrestling with God, questioning if what he created was actually good. God let me ask these questions, and God definitely let me struggle. But the good news is that through this struggle, like Jacob, I think I saw the face of God. And honestly, that has given me so much life. And today, I stand before you as a broken person. Um, and probably the most broken I've actually ever been in my life. Um, but I've never felt more free. And I've honestly never felt more love and more strength. Freedom in accepting that God's love for me is not dependent on who I am or who, what I can become or achieve but who I am as Becca. So today, I know that God is mighty, and I am very content with being weak. And perhaps tonight, um, there's parts of you that you don't believe is good. Insecurities um, that you find in your family and within yourself, and maybe you're trying to mask them in unhealthy ways as well. And you're giving those things a lot of power and strength. Um, tonight, I invite you to say goodbye to those lies, and just allow yourself to turn into your weaknesses, and be vulnerable. Come along this journey of healing with me, where instead of relying on our own strength, we can just allow ourselves to be weak and, and rely on the strength of God. Um, tonight we have a prayer corner, and feel free to go back there and get prayed for. And if you want to continue this conversation, know that my doors are always open, and all the other staff here at UMIN would love to come along you as well. Um, yeah, so tonight, let's just claim our true identities as daughters and sons of Christ seeing the promises he has for each of us. Please pray with me. Dear God, um, yeah, I just thank you so much for each student here, God, and just the unique creation that you've made each of us, Lord, and that we don't have to want to be someone else, but we can be satisfied in just the beauty that you've created in us. Thank you for being faithful to all your promises and to your son. In Jesus' name, amen.